shout our arms and pray for, for Alan, Father. I just want to thank you for Alan, Father. I want to thank you for a son in the house, Father, that your son, Father. I want to pray that you would just bless the preparation of his heart, Lord, and that anything that you want him to say, Father, that, that he perhaps doesn't have down, Father, that you would say, say it, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak, Lord, that his heart would be soft to hear your voice, Father. Mm-hmm. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move in power from his mouth, Father, that you would anoint his lips, Father. Father, that he would not be a resounding ground, Father, but you would complete what you were you set out to be, Father, through the words that he speaks, Lord. Yeah. I pray that you would anoint him, bless him, Father, and as the enemy yeah. tries to come, Father, and those arrows are fired, Lord, I pray that you break them in Jesus' name, Lord. Yes, I pray that you would come in power and bless this man, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can you hear me? No? I think I'm on. Can you hear me? I can't hear myself, except my own voice, of course. Right. Um, Good morning, everybody. How are you? Not a bad morning. I had the same uh, word on my heart that Tim had a bit earlier. We sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's the word on our hearts. And who who here prays today with your heart, with your mind, body, and soul and heart? I did. Who did that? Hands up. Thank you very much. You found something that many people don't find. And all of you who might struggle with that, might struggle to put your hands up, might struggle to pour your heart out, give your heart out to God, I urge you to give yourself up, to submit yourself. It's a wonderful thing. You give yourself up to God who was and is and is to come. And I pray that you find that place. I really do. When you come back here next Sunday, that you can praise with all your heart. He's an awesome God. He really is. Congratulations to Kyle and Jatara on 10 years. We are coming up for 30. I will tell you that for any married people here, every single year, every day, quite honestly, is a victory. Keep it up. Don't ever give up. And I don't, I don't say that with probably what you're thinking. It's an absolute victory every single day because we are married in the eyes of God. Under heaven, we are married. And every day is a victory. So well done. Congratulations. So how's everyone's fast gone today, this, this, this last month? Who's hungry? <laughs> I didn't fast for food. I fasted for other things. But who fasted for food here? I think, Tim, you, you must have. Are you hungry today? Not for the whole time. Not for the whole time, right. Well, I hope you're hungry for the word today, and I hope I can deliver that. Um, as Willem said, um, I hope that whatever I say today are the words from God, not my words, but his. You know? um, I've often wondered in its most simple way or term or what preaching or teaching really is. It's about telling others what God has put on your heart. In its most simple form, for me, that's what it is. It's telling you what God has put on your heart. And I hope I can deliver that to you today. Before I get started to go any further, and before I trip over anything, um, I would like to honor Mel and Will for being fantastic life group leaders. Um, I know know that sometimes it's a bit like herding cats. But you haven't given up, and your commitment is, uh, commitment is admirable. Um, 
we, we, we love you guys, and thank you for taking on that commitment and bringing us together. Life group is wonderful. And uh, do we have the best life group? No booze. Not allowed to do that. <laughs> I think we have the best life group, don't we? <laughs> um, so my greatest prayer today is that the words I say to you are the words that the Holy Spirit put on my heart. I pray that I can accurately and sincerely carry a cross to you today the word of God who is Jesus Christ. I pray that God's word does not return empty or void. I pray that and I hope that it impacts you like a double-edged sword and it convicts you. Not my words, but the words of God, the words who are Jesus Christ. I said to Gail, I think it was two Sundays ago, I said that... Um, I've sought the revelation of God's word. It's when he, deep down inside you, explains or reveals himself to you, who he really is. It's an absolute wow moment. There's Gail anywhere. I can't see from up here. Now I see others say that they can't, can't see anything. It's just sort of a black mass out there. But um, it's an absolute wow moment. And I urge you as well to seek God's word, to ask God to reveal his word to you so deeply so deeply that mere human words cannot explain it. It's things that are deep. Anyway, with all that said, it says in John 15, but I will, uh, and it's, it's the Spirit of God that reveals to you this. Gail spoke about the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of truth and grace is what reveals God's word to you. It says in John 15, but I will send you the advocate, the Spirit of truth, he will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. Yeah. And any of you who don't believe that you have the Spirit in you, if you can truly say that I believe in Jesus Christ and he rose from the dead and he died for my sins and he sits at the right hand of the Father, you have the Spirit of grace and truth in you, the Holy Spirit. I urge you to ask him to reveal God's word to you. So let's get stuck in. So we're in Romans 13. I'm not a superstitious person. I can't be because my wife's birthday has fallen so many times on Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'm not superstitious at all, but uh, it's the one I chose. Romans is primarily a letter to the Jews. But we, the church, and as individuals, can learn from Paul's message. The message in Romans is very simple. It's about mercy, grace, justification, righteousness, salvation, and all-embracing love through the faith in the one who loved us first. That's the message for me. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now I came across a quote by uh, a woman, Emma Scrivener. And this really caught my attention. And she says, does life matter? Yes. Have I any value? Yes. Can I know forgiveness? Yes. Can I be known and loved? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A million times yes. Here is the Lord who stoops down, who stretches out his hand and whispers, 
do not be afraid. Here is Jesus. I love that. So it's a bit of a quick reminder. I'm going to go through a series of verses. I've quite a number of them. Um, bear with me. I did try and shorten it. Um, I thought I might decide on the spot whether I was going to shorten or not, but I'm not going to, so bear with me. And they're all from Romans, from chapters 1 up to where we are at the moment. Not in any particular order, but I'm going to go through them because they summarize and bring us back to what Romans is all about. So Romans 1 says, For although they knew God, they never glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts darkened. Also says in Romans 1, Therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Romans 4 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans 1 says, The righteous will live by faith. It is a gift from you to God. To the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. The law was brought in so that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace must, might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Romans 6 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You have been set free from sin, and have now become slaves to righteousness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. Romans 8 says, and this is the famous one we all know, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Romans 8 again. I consider... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits eagerly, in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Again in Romans 8, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, 
nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So I'm going to do a little recap. That was part of the recap. I'm going to do a little recap. This is a bit shorter. And then I'm going to state my case before I start talking about or my teaching, if you will. So as a recap, man is lost and needs the intervention of God. You cannot be made right through doing what the law requires. I'm talking about the law of Moses there. Salvation is available to all regardless of their identity, sin, or heritage. We're saved by grace. That's the undeserved, unearned favor from God. Through faith, we are sanctified by God for himself. Through God, we can stand justified. In other words, not guilty before him. Saved means freedom from the power of sin to become just, become like Jesus and to discover God's love for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is sovereign over all the heaven and all the earth. He is sovereign. I'm going to concentrate in, in chapter 13 on two sections, starting with verses 8 to 10. Now, I didn't warn you guys at the back. I do apologize. Um, verses 8 to 10 and verses 11 to 14 if you can put up, and when I, when I tell you to, if you don't mind, is to put up verses 8 to 10 first, but I'll give you a signal. And I'm going to state my case now before I get into the teaching itself. Set out my stall, if you will. Loving others fulfills the law and satisfies all of God's requirements. It is the only law you need, the law of Jesus Christ. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should, thereby fulfilling God's requirements. Time is of the essence. We've been given enough information that we can be prepared. So let's get stuck in. So if you guys can put up the, uh, the scripture, the passage for me. So I'll read it out. Um, it'll, I'm assuming it will go through on the screen for you. Um, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever lo loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you no, shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. As Christians, we are to reflect Jesus Christ, to be salt, light, and truth on earth. Our place on earth is not to criticize or condemn or judge those around us, but rather to fulfill the law of Jesus Christ as simply captured in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Judgment is reserved for Jesus Christ. But that's another teaching. Romans talks consistently about the law of Moses. As given by the Israelites. But there is a greater law. The law of Jesus Christ. I believe that the law of Jesus Christ has always existed. It was preeminent. It was missed entirely by the Israelites as they fixated on the law given to Moses. 
and given to them. Paul tells us that the law of Moses was given to them to show them their sin so that they, the Israelites, realized they needed God. God never wanted their burnt offerings. He wanted their hearts. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. The law of Christ is not precisely captured anywhere in the Bible, of course. Most Bible scholars, teachers understand the law of Christ to be what Jesus stated were the greatest commandments. When asked by a teacher of the law, the law of Moses that is, which of the commandments is the most important, Jesus replied, the most important one is this, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There are no commandments greater than these. The teacher of the law, this is a Jew, replied to Jesus and said, You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. God wanted their hearts. And somehow missed that. In other words, the teacher of the law of Moses was saying that the law of Christ, or the commandments that Jesus gave us, is greater than the law of Moses. And then the word goes on to say in Mark 12, when Jesus saw that he had, and this is the Bible, the teacher, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The law of Christ is then to love God with all our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're all going to be judged one day. Of course we are. Believers and non-believers. Those who believe have been justified unto righteousness and sanctified unto God for eternal life in the new heaven and earth. As believers, we will be judged one day. Our judgment is not for eternal life against but against our works. Not for eternal life, but it's against our works. Works that should be aligned with the will of God. These are our living works, the ones that are alive in Christ, not dead works. The will of God is that we obey the commandments given to us by Jesus. I believe that it will be by this requirement that we are to be judged. So those who obeyed and did much with what they were given much will be given. If you're seeking God's will for your life today, meditate. Pray about the greatest commandment in your life. As you seek God, he will reveal more and more in practical terms and spiritual about what he wants from you. Seek him, ask him. Go and ask him, Lord, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do with what you've given me? But you need to seek him earnestly, persistently, constantly, consistently, with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. So be encouraged. You are because Christ is, and Christ is love. I'm hoping the South Africans amongst us will understand this term, Ubuntu. 
And for those of you who have heard it before, don't get it confused with that software program, which is commonly referred to as Ubuntu. Sounds a bit odd. But Ubuntu is an African term. It comes from Africa. It's right throughout Africa. And it simply says, I am what I am because of who we all are. It's about humanity. It's about all-inclusive community. I say, I am what I am because Christ is who he is. I am because Christ is. I believe, but can't explain it in words, but I think the Holy Spirit has told me that everything, all understanding, above the sky, below the earth, death, life, all creation, every single thing can be answered in a commandment. Everything. The answer to everything. Everything can be answered in a commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. To love your neighbor as yourself. That is the answer to everything. And it's by these commandments that we will be judged. I believe this. This is my belief. That on that day, standing before the audience of one, before God, we're going to be asked one question, only one. God's going to say to us, did you love me? That's it. And we've got an answer for that. Did you love me? To love one another is a command, but it is also a continuing debt that can never be fully repaid. And as I said before, as Christians, we are to reflect Jesus Christ, to be salt, light, and truth on earth. A place on earth is not to criticize, condemn, or judge those around us, but rather to fulfill the law of Christ. This is our debt. We do this because Christ fulfilled his debt to us. Christ's debt is fully paid for. It is finished, fully accomplished in Christ who gave himself for us, his brothers and sisters, so that we are saved and can share in the inheritance given to him by the Father. Through his redemption, purchase by his blood, we are his. He purchased us. So be encouraged. Persevere in your faith. Persevere. Keep going. In Hebrews 10 it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by your new and living way, open for us through that curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another to on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And that passage for me neatly links into the next section. So that would be verses 14 to... The end. <laughs> so if you guys don't mind bringing it up, and I'm going to read that, and then we'll get stuck into that bit. 
I'm going to read verse 10 from the previous section first, and then we'll go straight into to verse 11. And therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently in the daytime, not carousing and in drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So at this point, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here. I will come back again, but I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Do you think the world is ending? You're probably thinking, where did that come from? (laughs) With what is happening in Gaza at the moment, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going on? Is there a threat of more conflict? A war from nations surrounding Israel? Is the conflict in the Middle East going to escalate? Is it going to expand? Of course, there's a war going on in Ukraine as well. Where does this all end up? Is the world ending? I think some of you, and I've heard it, have asked that question with what's going on right now. But let's go to Matthew to find out what the word says. For many will come in my name claiming, (laughs) for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And a bit further down, it goes on to say, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm will be saved. And this gospel of the of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come so don't be alarmed this is not the end if you're concerned the end is still to come but it's the beginning of birth pains as the word says to us but the word says stand firm don't waver stand firm and you will be saved Another quote from an author unknown. With these signs in mind, we can be wise and discerning in regard to the expectation of the end times. We should not, however, interpret any of these singular events as a clear indication of the soon arrival of the end times. God has given us enough information that we can be prepared. And that is what we are called to be as our hearts cry out, come Lord Jesus. We're to be prepared. That's the key. I don't know what your viewpoints on what's happening in Gaza at the moment or which side you're on. And like you, I see a lot of bloodshed, a lot of death. Difficult to see and understand, isn't it? 
But what I do know and believe is that God is sovereign over all heaven and earth, even in the midst of the conflict. Romans 9 tells us that Israel is still God's chosen people. But the word also says that not all of Israel today is descended from Israel. The word also says that God, like a potter, can make out of the same lump of clay what he wishes for special purposes, for common use. In other words, God can do as he pleases. But God forms us, his church, into vessels for his special purposes, like a potter molding clay, for his special purposes to achieve the prophecy of his will. God is sovereign over all creation, heaven and earth. I believe that nothing happens in the heavens and on earth without God's authority to allow or disallow it to happen. That includes Satan himself. We might think that Satan can do whatever he likes, whatever he pleases. But he can't. Satan has to have the permission of God to deceive us or tempt us. And God who is sovereign allows this to happen. If Satan can tempt us away from God, he believes he can establish a sovereign kingdom for himself by stealing the hearts of the beloved people of God. Despite what's happening in Gaza or in the Middle East, God's hand is in there. In the Bible, we see God's hand in the rescue from Israel, Israel from Egypt. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that he would not release them from captivity. It says in Romans 9, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God had mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. The honest answer is, I don't know what God's hand is doing in Gaza. I don't know. And I haven't got an answer for that. But the point is that we must believe and always stand firm in the sovereignty of God, irrespective that he is involved in all things. He allows and disallows as he sees fit. He is sovereign. We hope, of course, that the powers in Israel, who are Jews by nationality, are seeking God in all their decisions and actions. We hope that is the case. Romans says that being a descendant of Israel does not make you a true Jew or for that matter, a child of Abraham. But we know that God's hand is active there. Don't look at what is happening in Gaza through the eyes of the world, which itself is the kingdom of Satan, full of deceit and untruth. Be careful what you hear and see in the media. This is the world, what the world is reporting. We should instead look through the eyes of prophecy and the truth of the word which comes from God. We should look at what's going on through the eyes of the Bible and through prophecy and the word itself. But it's up to each one of us to do this. We should seek God's word and we should make up our own minds on what we believe is happening and stand by. But irrespective of what is happening in the world today, and in particular in Gaza, I stand by God and the redemptive covenants of Jesus Christ. I stand by that. I submit myself to God's sovereignty and authority over my life. Conflicts like those in Gaza and the suffering that comes with it, with the, these wars, can focus our minds. 
This is where the sharp end of our faith lies. This is when it gets real and we have to decide where our allegiance lies, where it sits. We don't understand and cannot understand. Only God who is omniscient, in other words, all-knowing, can understand. And we see this in the book of Job. And it says in Job 42, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job submitted eventually to God and said, I don't understand. I don't understand you, God, but I submit to your sovereignty and I believe in you. Job finally realized who God was and he couldn't understand and he couldn't know what God knew, but he submitted himself. We have to put our faith in the things we cannot see and our hope in eternity with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what we are required to do. I've gone off on my tangent. I've come back. So I'm going to tell you a story about my father. My father, who passed away uh, just over a year ago. He was a courageous, strong man of God. Um, in fact... There's an inscription that he gave me this Bible. There's an inscription in this Bible he wrote in here. And he says here, To Alan, I hope that this book will give you strength and guidance throughout your life as it has done me. Love, Dad, February 1993. That's a message from him. Strong, courageous man of God. About a year, two years ago, my mom had passed away in the February, uh, where we, 2020, this would have been 2022. He passed away in February. Um, he lost his purpose in life. And he passed away in the August of that year. And he started to deteriorate over a period of time. And um, my sister and I, who live in the UK, had uh, made an arrangement to go out to South Africa to see him. Uh, it was the September of that year. Uh, number of months ahead, made an arrangement to go and see the old man because we knew his life was coming to an end. We wanted to see him one last time. But one day my sister contacted me, she contacted me and she said to me, we've got to go now. I don't know why, but we've got to go now. So within a couple of days we had left, we'd flown over there. We got to Durban International Airport, which is way up the north coast. And he was down the south coast and it's about an hour's drive. Brother-in-law picked us up, took us down there. He was in a home uh, where he was living out his last, last um, uh, days. And when we got there, he wasn't conscious. And we prayed for him. We told him we loved him. We told him who he was in Christ. And when I said to him, you can go now. I will take over the job of protecting the family. I will be the protector. He was gone 10 minutes later. Now, he was unconscious, and I believe wholeheartedly he heard every word we said. He understood it. But he went to be with God. And Ingrid, you said to me when I, when I told you this some time ago, and I don't know if you remember, are you, you said to me, are you sad about it? And I said, I'm not, because I know where he is. I know where he is. I'm not sad about it. 
The only sad thing, if I could describe it as that, is I can't pick up the phone to my dad and have a good long chat with him. We used to talk about all sorts of things, cars, politics, our faith, all sorts of things. We used to have a chat. I can't do that anymore. That's probably the thing I miss the most. But I know where he is. Now, Tim, um, first preach, our vision preach, you told us the story of Lazarus. Now, I'm just going to read that again uh, because that is where my father is. So it says in Luke's, uh, in, it's Luke 16, 19 to 31. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and, fi- purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate laid a beg- beggar named Lazarus, covered in sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came and the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man died and he was also buried in Hades. Where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been put in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead has gone to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That, I believe, is where my father is. We aren't told if Lazarus believes in God or that the rich man did not. However, I think this can be inferred because of where each ended up. We could reasonably assume that the rich man, who was tempted by the good things in this world, might have been involved in harassing, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. Maybe not all of them, but there's a reasonable chance. Romans 13 says, uh, in, in verse 12, says, The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. In other words, time is running out. And then it goes on to say in verse 14, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is a reference to Lazarus, who we can reasonably assume clothed himself with Jesus Christ, and to the rich man, who we can reasonably assume gratified himself with the desires of the flesh. So you have your dichotomy there. In this story, Jesus tells us how this ends. We don't, I don't know about you, but certainly I'd rather be with Abraham, where my father is, awaiting the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming. Time is running out. We're getting closer and closer. Time is running out. And I'm going to repeat what the unknown, the, 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 I mentioned about the unknown author a bit earlier. God has given us enough information that we can be prepared and that 
And that is what we are called to be as our hearts cry out, come Lord Jesus. In Romans verse 13 it says, And do this understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer than we first believed. I'm going to start to close now. So don't fixate on the wars and the conflicts. The end is yet to come. Rather fixate on Jesus Christ. Turn your face to Jesus Christ. Cast your mind to how you can fulfill the law of Jesus Christ, which is to love one another. Clothe yourselves with the righteousness of God the Father that he gave to the Son. Clothe yourself with righteousness and truth, which is Jesus Christ. As we get closer to our salvation, stand firm. Know where your allegiance lies. Be strong and courageous in your faith. Resist the desires of the flesh. Seek the will of God for your life. Avoid dead works and carry out the good works that the Father has set out for you to do. So let the Father soften your heart. To mold it like a potter molds clay into a people and a body of Christ. Don't be fooled into a finite perspective as the world sees life. But adopt an eternal perspective in God, believing in the new heaven and the new earth that is still to come. Where there will be no pain and suffering, only joy and love. And I just want to repeat very quickly, um, Willem read out a passage to us from 1 John. And just the verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We've got an eternal perspective on life. We don't have a finite perspective. We don't think life's going to end in this body with this life. It goes further than that. I urge you to look at life with an eternal perspective. Look at the things that are to come, not the things you see here. Look at the things that are unseen. So I'm going to close with a a word of prayer and then I'm going to let the worship team carry on. But if there's anything that I've said, anything that's convicted your heart through the worship a bit earlier, through the words you saw that you sang, anything you heard today, and you need prayer or want prayer, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know God, if you need healing, if you want to seek his will for your life or renew your faith, we would love to pray for you. So I'm going to close in in prayer. Lord, Father God, you are sovereign in the heavens and the earth. You sit on the throne of mercy, grace, power, and above all, love. We submit ourselves to your authority through your son whom you gave to us to redeem us from an eternity without you. We give ourselves to you, Jesus, each day, asking for strength to fulfill our debt, a debt of love to love our neighbors as ourselves because we love does no harm to a neighbor. Through this, we fulfill the requirements of the law. Lord, help us to focus on you when the world has gone mad and stricken by strife and suffering. Help us to have an eternal perspective as our hearts cry out, come Lord Jesus. Help us to resist the desires of the flesh. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. As we put on the full armor of God, help us to stand firm 
because the one who stands firm will be saved. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ.